Ladies, gentlemen, or what have you, I'm Orion Lavelle. And I'm Travis Mattingly. And you're listening to Tooth and Nail, a monstrous podcast where, on this particular occasion, we gonna talk about our first plant creature in the book. Which one is it? It's Blights. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> 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 solid bit solid <laughs> so yeah so yes yes so we are going to talk about our first plant creature in the book blights yeah yes so is there really a trademark style for plant monsters i was thinking about that this morning when i was taking these notes and truth be told i don't know we find that blights or plant creatures on the whole don't have eyes and ears so they can't be blinded or deafened but um Beyond that, I, I can't really think of a clear thing that makes a plant monster in the same way as, you know, an undead or an aberration or a construct. No, I think there's like three, there are three main like classes of plant monster in D&D. &D. Mm -hmm. There are the humanoid, but just made of bark. Yes. <laughs> or various plant material. Yeah, like the mushroom there, guys. Yeah, mu the, yeah. There are straight up just plants, but what eat people. Yes. And then sentient plants, that kind of thing. And then there's, like, the mound of plant-adjacent materials. <laughs> like, like giant, like, what could in other circumstances be considered oozes, but are instead just large plants covered in moss and stuff. Yes, yes. Yeah, Those I are kind of like the three main yeah, food groups. I was trying to think of it, like, mechanically. I was like, do they debuff you more, or is that just Pokemon I'm thinking of? Do they, like... Do they Man, do ambushes? I don't know. In my like, in my very small amount of any knowledge of plant creatures in D and D, it's like poison. Yeah, <laughs> it's like poison and sharp things. Those are all I really know. Yeah, I can't say. Surely we will find out as we continue with this podcast. But for now, oh, yeah. oh. These things are called blights. Yes. That sure sounds like poison and sharp stuff. You'd be surprised. They're not very poison, but they are very sharp. Oh, I am surprised. Yes, <laughs> I'm not necessarily convinced that blights are the prototypical plant monster for D&D. Like, they don't necessarily represent the entire category. But right. uh, they do make a good horde encounter if you're up for doing some blight stuff. Well, that would be nice. Yeah, so let's jump on in. So, blights are essentially cognizant, sentient, mobile plant monsters that are fueled by evil and work to infest whatever flora, abundant places they can, forests or meadows or that sort of thing. For our purposes, there are three kinds of blights in this monster manual. There are needle blights, there are twig blights, and there are vine blights. So, artistically, I'm a little disappointed in these guys. In my head, I always just kind of thought of blights as, like, little bow truckles or like those at most like at their biggest the dark souls one tree monsters tree ant things uh uh and right. of course by bow truckle more approachably i mean they look like little gnarled groots okay yeah gotcha. yeah is what i was thinking of and only the twig lights look like tiny groots yeah those are the ones that i'm most familiar with the rest of them they just 
kind of look like hot, muscly elf guys. Yeah, Vine Blight kind of looks like Swamp Thing. Yeah, kind of <laughs> like a Swamp Thing. I read Predator. Yeah, a little bit of Predator, a little bit of Swamp Thing. Yeah, but, but the yeah, the the other main Blight definitely for sure just looks like yeah. you're up. It almost looks like it could be a male dryad. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's just kind of a hot tree, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty lame. Pretty lame, all things considered. And, and, like, the worst part is, is I love the idea of a tree with a face. Pretty much any time yeah. it happens. So, like, Grandmother Willow from Pocahontas, I, I like that. Deku Tree, I like that guy. Motherfucking Harold from Fallout. I, like. I was about to say horrible, grotesque mutant Harold from Fallout. I love horrible, <laughs> grotesque mutant Harold. When he shows up, I'm happy. And I, I, <laughs> I think the deal is like, you know, it's fun seeing a person face on a thing what not ought have a person face. Yeah. It's not really cool or monstrous to put a person face on a hot dude that have <laughs> made of vines. So like, yeah. if, if, if I had my way, I would tree up these guys real hard. So like the less person they look while still having they can have the hot elf guy face i'm fine with that i just want a more tree-like body to kind of make that juxtaposition stand out more yeah i think twig blight kind of nails the middle ground yes twig blight i'm down with twig blight looks like a monster the vine and needle blights just look like D D dudes made of tree yeah, if you isolated the picture of the twig blight and blew it up real big, I'd believe it was a giant tree monster because it has, like, the real good look about it. Yeah, yeah, I like the twig blight. Twig blight, good. Other blights. Other guys, uh, meh. Yeah. And then, and then, like, not to get too, like, you need the book to see, but then the next page of the monster manual has this picture. Of a really good twig blight, yeah. Of a super good twig blight. A like- really nice, <laughs> gnarled, like, grumpy-looking twig blight, and I love it. Man. <laughs> yeah, fucking D&D 5th edition art style. Uh, I, I'd look into what Blights used to look like, but I'm afraid I'd get more grumpy. Yeah, you... I will. You continue. <laughs> you stay safe. <laughs> Sit in your tower. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so I I wish these guys were more tree-like. Uh, and that's pretty much all I have to say about the art. They're not, like, yeah. terribly interesting or anatomically varied. It's just, you know... If you've seen a tree monster, and if you've seen a person, just mix the two in your brain. <laughs> Surprisingly, uh, just for us, because we talk about this with pretty much every monster that we discuss, twig blights have only been around since third edition. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you'd think they'd be a little older. They basically look the same, except before the art decided that they wanted 10,000 more twisted twigs. But they basically look the same. Yeah, I guess that makes a sort of sense because, well, 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 it makes a sort of sense because weren't Blights popularized by Sunless Citadel, which was a third edition adventure module? That might be the case. I'm not entirely sure how they got about. I don't know if I have all of the facts straight. So like, and this kind of moves into the lore of Blights, but uh, there's a reason why they look like grumpy hot elves. The story goes that a vampire named Gothias was, uh, you know, he built a tower, he grew his power, he figuratively flew too close to the sun, and then was literally staked in the heart. Uh, And this whole story was the sort of basis for a generally beloved adventure module called Sunless Citadel, which was either 3rd edition or 3.5, I can't totally remember. Yeah, it's it's from 3rd edition, you're right. Yes. Uh, It was then, you know, adapted into 5th edition in Tales of the Yawning Portal, uh, into one of those little mini adventures. 
So there's some renewed relevance into Blights and the story of Gothias. Uh, so Gothias was staked in the heart. However, he was such a powerful and evil vampire that when his blood seeped into the stake, the wood of the stake began to grow in e into an evil sapling that was over the years transplanted and germinated across the land, which would eventually turn into blights. You know, blights are the spawn of this Gothias tree that is spread across the world. Yeah. Truth be told, I, uh, I kind of fucking love that. Like, I love this idea of like, an inverted unholy wood of the true cross kind of thing that is yeah it's so fucking metal yeah it's real <laughs> it's... cool <laughs> like i i was on the when i first read it i was a little bit on the fence about whether or not i thought it was cool metal oh. or like bloated D, D stuff but i think it is no cool and metal because <laughs> like, like there's they could have gone so boring with blights it could have been so like uh a warlock in the woods did some dark rituals on trees. Yeah. But no, fucking, it's some metal ass. Yeah. The blood of a staked vampire corrupted a... That's so great. I think, I, yeah, I think <laughs> I'm with you. I think I think it's awesome and not dumb. It's like you have to give it a little bit. You yeah. have to, like, you have to give in. You have to give yourself a little bit to thinking that it's awesome. Yeah. But it is. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is real cool. It's just, like, I never thought of that. Like, this... The thing that you kill a vampire with in the same way that, like, you know, Longinus, the spear that stabbed Christ, would have Christ power. This has vampire power. <laughs> it's kind of cool. And, like, yeah, I think that, you know, do if you're gonna do in your D&D &D campaign a, like, some long-lost evil that is suddenly resurrected story, like a Sauron kind of thing, this mm -hmm. would be, you know, Gothias would be a good choice for that specifically because yeah. of how blights work and then the kind of lore and trinkets around Gothias. Yeah, I think for sure. Yes. So as I understand it, the Gothias trees stay somewhat dormant underground until they detect evil in other forestry and plants, where then they are drawn to this evil and begin to grow in order to take over these forests. So as a result of this tree growth, the regular plants that are there become corrupted by this Gothias tree and either rot and die or are transformed into blights, which further perpetuates the corruption of the forest and then, you know, on and on, kind of like the necromancer thing where, you know, plants turn into evil plants, those evil plants rip up more plants to turn into evil plants, and on and on. And on and on. Multiplicatively. And here is your Wizards of the Coast supplied adventure hook. As the forest becomes infested with evil, the plants will grow more wildly and erratically and are known to overrun roads or even entire villages in a matter of days. So bada boom, Farmer Steve runs up to your party and my crops are eating my house. <laughs> it's it's in the trees. It is the trees. Yeah, there you go. There's your adventure hook. So there's that. Also, here's your kind of weird Wizards of the Coast supplied undercutting of lore within the same sentence thing. In this particular sentence, it is, blights are independent creatures, but most act under a Gothias tree's control. Yeah, I'm a s- <laughs> Aarakocrans are solitary creatures, but are known to group together to protect the land. Yeah, I'm assuming this one is more like they independently choose to follow the tree's commands or whatever in the same way that like my dad's a doctor so i'm gonna go be a doctor 
I, yeah. I imagine that it's that kind of thing. In this particular yeah. case, what I expect is what happened is they're there so that you're not just telling the same Blight story a thousand times for, you know, right. all of you Blight lovers out there. Uh, I mean, it doesn't super matter. Like, if I am DMing, I'm just going to come up with my own explanation for why Blights exist. Yeah. But, eh. Well, also, like, it could very well 100% be a... Like, you could use this sentence for, like... A vampire's thrall. Sure, like a, a minor magical com- compilation. That's not the word I'm looking for. Yeah, for like like it is an independent creature, but it is currently under control. Sure, sure. Anyway, this is the explanation for why all of the Blights look like hot, grumpy elves. I'm imagining they're, <laughs> you know, transformed such that they're sporting Gothias's visage, right? They're created in his image. <laughs> That's where you were going with it. I was like... Is the tree horny? What? <laughs> Gothias loved his harem. <laughs> Acting under the will of the Gothias tree. And the tree is like, mm, I'm thinking hot, horny elf, man. Oh, oh man. <laughs> yes. So the idea is that the, the will of the vampire lives on through these plants. So often these blights will carry out kind of deep-seated vengeance against the vampire's old enemies or, like, seek out trinkets or MacGuffins that were important to Gothias back when he was unliving, which is kind of cool. Again, if you want to do the long-lost evil being resurrected story, the idea of, like, these tree monsters suddenly doing things that this ancient evil would have done being, you know, a, a sort of adventure hook or being in some way worrisome to your mentor character. I can imagine all that shaking out in that kind of way. Yeah. There is some prose for each kind of blight in the book that showcases what makes them special. I'm a little grumpy still, because even the book describes needle blights as shuffling hunched humanoids, and they definitely, that's all I see is tall, sexy elf. (laughs) So, like, get with the times, artist. For sure. The description highlights their ability to shoot needles, That will be important later. Moreover, there's a little paragraph that says that threatened needle blights will let loose a pollen that alerts other needle blights to their location. There is no such pollen alarm in their stat block, but since these guys make for a good horde encounter, I'd probably just work that into the encounter regardless of what the stat block says. Yeah, that's definitely a DM call that I think is good to make. Yeah, it's a nice little bit of lore that I think helps the combat. Twig blights are said to be ambushers, the sort of living landmine thing that we saw with animated objects. It's a thing what looks like a bush, but is not a bush, and and it's not until too late that you find that out. Lastly, vine blights are kind of the bear trap equivalent to the twig blights landmine. They're a living bear trap. They also make ambushes, just as the twig blight would, Using their special vines and their ability to control the plants around them, they tend to entangle their enemies using these animated plants. Yeah, I think it's really neat that the Vine Blight doesn't have any attacks that don't involve grappling. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, and this is kind of where I sit on how the ideal Blight encounter goes, I don't think you're supposed to fight any of these guys grouped individually, right? So, like, obviously you're not supposed to fight one Twig Blight at a time. But, like, I think you're supposed to use a mix and match of vine, twig, and needle blights together in one encounter and not necessarily split it up into, oh, this is my vine blight encounter. Yeah, like you walk into uh, kind of a swampy area 
and hiding underneath the the swamp water are like two or three vine blights that and surrounded by like a bunch of dead shrubs that are actually a bunch of twig blights. Absolutely, something like that. In the same way that you would, you know, throw some goblin archers in with your regular goblin foot soldiers and then maybe a goblin spellcaster, right? So they're kind of leveraging on that sort of thing. Importantly, vine blights are semi-capable of reason and can talk. Apparently, they speak in the distorted version of Golthias' voice, (laughs) which which is kind of cool. cool. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm down with that. Yeah, I, I think the idea of this lingering will is something that you get a lot in Undead Monsters, but having it shifted in this kind of horde of plant monstrosities, it's just two pieces of flavor that don't often go together that I think is kind of cool. It is a little weird to me that it's the Vine Blights that get this, mm-hmm. and Needle Blights don't. Yeah. Because needle, needle Blights being the more just a dude of the three. Yeah, I again, I don't know what the fuck to make of that, right? Like, I don't know how much interaction there is between the artists and the writers. Right. So, like, this might be someone's artistic interpretation that, you know, we're taking as law when it's just what this one particular person thought was cool. Yeah, I mean, like, as much as I've seen of Needle Blights, even the minis that I've seen, they are just kind of spiky dudes. Yeah. It's just weird that Needle Blights can't talk. I'd imagine that, like, they'd open their weird barky mouths and you'd hear, like, the echo of a voice coming from within a tree trunk. That would be cool. That would be cool in that, like, um, Miyazaki kind of way, like the Studio Ghibli way, where the thing that doesn't have a mouth is kind of reverberating words out to you. Yeah. Yeah. Is that all we got for the lore part of the blights i get needle blights and i get twig blights yes because they are from the tree they are of the tree yes vine blights i'm a little bit like i guess yeah i'm thinking you know it's not supposed to be like jungle vines it's supposed to be like creeping vines so it's supposed to have that kind of castlevania feel rather than like a jungle feel Right. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I kind of. It it's just like. Yeah, I had to rework that in my brain as well a bit because I also got you know. That, that, that feels well, I weird. mean, it could also be like it could also mean jungle vines because like Sunless Citadel kind of has a jungle thing going on. Does it? Well, then there that is as well. But it's it's just kind of weird. Like just thinking about it was weird because I was like my brain had to make a logical leap between this magical stake turned into this tree that grew these blights of wood and then also there are vine ones yeah (laughs) yeah yeah it's just you know one of those things where vines are not traditional to our conception of what an evil european forest would be like yeah which i don't i don't think i need to reevaluate any personal biases i'm not like (laughs) anti-jungle that would be yeah i don't i don't think you can be racist against tree biomes I don't think so, no. <laughs> Perhaps. Follow us, send us an email if you think a person can be yeah. tree racist, and we'll talk about it. Tell me if biomic racism is a thing. Yes. So mechanically, we'll run through each kind of blight really quick. Needle blights are medium-sized, evil, with a real low CR of 1 fourth, a really low AC of 12, 
and a really low HP of 11 and a speed of 30. So the idea with Blights is that they're supposed to overwhelm me as a horde, so it doesn't bother me much that each of their individual stats are shitty and low. Truth be told, I'd rather, you know, I think it's mostly an action economy thing, so I'm fine with just, you know, this is my action that I spend to thin out the herd a little bit. Yeah, right. Needle Blights, they have above average physical stats, really trash mental stats. Being plants, they can't be blinded, they can't be deafened, so they are blind, but they have blind sight out to 60 feet, which I don't know if we've had yet a blind sight monster. Basically, what it means is that blind sight works effectively as echolocation would. So make of that what you will. Blind sight is a little bit ambiguous as to how it works. Yeah, blind, blind sight is always confusing for everyone because I it's that's why they separated blind sight and tremor sense. Yes. Because tremor sense is like you can only feel things that are touching the ground. Blind sight is you can see everything that yes. is within 60 feet of you. Yeah, it's pretty much like a shittier version of true sight with the limitation that like you know you can see quote unquote see invisible stuff but if they're past 60 feet you can't see shit yeah, you can't see a single thing yeah <laughs> so yes needle blights have a little passive perception of nine they understand common but they can't speak and they have a slightly above average claw attack that does six piercing damage and a very good ranged needle attack that does eight piercing damage so you know as advertised the pretty strong ranged attack that needle blights have will be what defines the needle blight in a blight encounter as i understand it yeah twig blights are tiny they're small sized let me clarify they are small sized yeah <laughs> with a minuscule challenge rating of one eighth that's pretty much as low as it goes in the monster manual one eighth is yeah by that scale they have a really good armor class of 13 possibly representing how difficult it is to hit something that small they have the tiniest HP bar of four <laughs> and a little tiny run speed of 20 feet. They're cute little yep. brutes. Tiny little boys. Yeah. Aside from their dexterity and their constitution, their stats are pretty trash across the board. They have a plus three bonus to their stealth, which is pretty good for that level of monster. Like the Needle Blight, they can't be blinded or deafened. And they have the same low passive perception and 60 blind sight as the Needle Blight. Being sentient twigs, they are also vulnerable to fire. Which, like, Which I don't get why needle blights are not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, very got... mad about this. <laughs> I, I think the idea is that twig blights are supposed to be dried, dead twigs given shape, whereas needle and vine blights are supposed to be still kind of healthy plants that have been corrupted. I guess so. I'm going to have to look up if, like, other plant monsters aren't vulnerable to fire. It just feels so weird to me. Yes, that is one level of why that feels weird the second level of why that feels weird is why does it have a vulnerability to fire and also four hp <laughs> just in case you hit something with a torch as an improvised weapon that way it can still do like i guess yeah i guess <laughs> i guess that's I guess. all i've got yeah really. uh, yeah so you're pretty much guaranteed to one shot these guys no matter what you do it feels weird to, for them to have a vulnerability in that way. I'm thinking maybe there was like a combustible trait in the works where like if you set one on fire, it would cause other flammable things nearby to catch fire as well. So like mm. like a, a risky way to burn out a lot of these guys while still possibly catching yourself on fire. Yeah. So like as it is, it feels cute. The vulnerability feels cute and kind of flavorful, but redundant, you know, kind of unnecessary. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. More importantly, 
they have my favorite thing ever, false appearance. <laughs> Yay! Yay, false appearance. I'm, I've kind of softened to false appearance because I think there are ways to make it work. Plus, like, it, it's so, it means so little on Twig Blights. Yes. That, like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so for Twig Blights, it's fine. Spoiler alert, Vine Blights also get it, and it's less fine. But I think false appearance can be handled in a way that is fine. So... You know, when the twig blight is motionless, they're indistinguishable from a dead shrub. As I said, once upon a time with animated objects, one's mileage may vary with this trait. I think it probably behooves the DM to really subtly signal the false appearance, really subtly signal the ambush by putting a cluster of dead shrubs where one might not otherwise be. So like, if there's a bunch of dead shrubs in the middle of a clearing, that's probably suspicious. Yeah. Right? So, like, even if you don't mention... Oh, God, I don't want this to turn into another false appearance debate, but, like... (laughs) I won't. You're good. Okay. As long, you know, as long as you're putting dissimilar things together, even if the rogue can't investigate it, they're still gonna be on edge, and I feel like that checks out enough for me. Yeah. Plus, I mean, going forward one little bit of the stat block, their claw attack, which does three damage yes still better than the spectator's bite still better than the spectator's bite bringing it back yeah uh however like with the fact that they do three damage yes say you've got 10 of these things everywhere around the battlefield yeah and they're doing the false appearance thing even if you're the dm that like doesn't give hints that these are things and you ambush your party that is 10 monsters that still have to roll have yes. a very low chance to hit and yes. only do three damage. Yes, that's why I <laughs> that's why I call them landmines, more or less mobile yeah. landmines, because the idea is that you're not super worried about th- these guys. They're just there to get some extra damage in during this encounter and yeah. block off some avenues, which we'll get into in a bit when I kind of enumerate what the blight encounter to my mind looks like. Right. Lastly... There are the comparatively impressive Vine Blights. So these guys have a whopping challenge rating of one half. They are medium sized. They have a low AC of 12, a low HP of 26, and a real low speed of 10 feet, which I think is probably as low as speed goes. Holy cow. I can't think of any monsters that have a speed of five feet. No, I can only think of ones with zero. Yeah. Yeah. So it's either nothing or 10 feet, I think. Yeah. Generally speaking. Sure. Their attributes, their stats are pretty scattered, with strength and constitution being above average, wisdom being about average, and everything else being pretty garbage. They get a plus one bonus to stealth, since they also rely on ambushes. They, as always, cannot be blinded or deafened. They have a 60-foot blind sight, as the rest do, and an average passive perception of 10. They speak common. As the book noted, they can talk. Mm -hmm. They also get false appearance, where they camouflage as a bunch of vines. Same story as before. I think that, admittedly, a cluster of vines feels less out of place than a bunch of dead bushes. So, (laughs) you know, that rankles me a little bit, but... But you already called them living bear traps, so you kind of concede, right? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. They get their choice of two attacks that they have. They have Constrict or Entangling Plants. Constrict is an above-average accuracy, above-average damage attack that has a reach of 10 feet, what with the vine arms and such, and it instantly grapples the target with a below-average escape DC of 12. 
This grapple also restrains the target, which, as we discussed with the hears or something like that, is worse than regular grapple because the movement speed is not only reduced, they also have disadvantage on certain saves, and the things that attack them have advantage. Yep, that would be Behirs. Yes. The Blight, however, can only constrict one creature at a time because it's their arms. Entangling Plants has a recharge. It's one of those recharge moves. It has a recharge of 5 to 6, uh, and it causes grasping roots to sprout in a 15-foot radius around the Vine Blight for one minute. That spot is considered difficult terrain for non-plant creatures, and everything that is in the area when the effect goes off has to make a DC 12 strength save or be restrained, where it is able, the creature that is restrained is able to remake the save by using their action to free themselves, or you can use an action to free another tangled creature if you make that save then. I really like uh, this being the bomb drop, bear trap start of a fight. Yes. Like the party's walking through the swamp and then the vine blight, as soon as they step basically all on it, it entangling plants yes. everybody and then the fight starts absolutely i think i'm with you there these guys by themselves it's kind of difficult to see what they do but if you put all of the blights together they have a very nice niche that makes the encounter a lot more interesting as it stands it's just like oh boy i'm restrained but uh Within... Yeah, by itself, it's like, I'm restrained, oh no, I can still hit it, though. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And then, if it's just everything else, it's like, oh no, a bunch of tiny things that I just have to beat. <laughs> like, Yes, yes. They have a, a spot within a larger Blight Encounter. I think, real quick, there's something to be said for the kind of Mega Man-style tutorialization, where, like, you do have your Twig Blight Encounter, and then your Needle Blight Encounter, and then your Vine Blight Encounter and then you throw them all together for a major encounter at the end of the dungeon or whatever. I just think that, like, I don't know. I feel like where that would work with a different kind of monster, it doesn't necessarily work here, because none of them are very powerful by themselves or interesting by themselves. They kind of show off what they do pretty quickly, so there isn't a whole lot to learn. I think that, yeah. by and large, you can get away with just throwing the whole kit and caboodle, the whole light encounter at the party, and they'll be fine. Like, they'll learn quick enough. <laughs> yeah, on, honestly, throwing every blight at the party is like the Mega Man learning encounter for later when there's a big bad guy with an army of blights. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess you might be right there in that, like, the challenge curve is how many blights you throw at them. Yeah, or, like, just, just in general, like... Because, like, there's no encounter I can conceivably create with these blights that cannot be taken care of relatively easily. Yeah. I think the best thing I could come up with was, w instead of mix and matching all three of them, just ha hand them two at a time. So, like, here's twig blights and needle blights, and then here's, like, needle blights and vine blights, and then right. at the end of the dungeon, it's all three at once. I think that might be a better curve and less kind of yeah. trivial. You, in the distance, you see this vine blight shambling incredibly slowly across the way, like just as kind of a, what the fuck is that thing? As like a bait if, switch for the- Yeah, or yeah. like, and then if they, if, they, if they decide to get too close, then they learn about its 10 foot reach constricting range. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Just don't blow the entangling plants until like a big fight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think there, there might be some truth to that is kind of, keeping some of the cards close to your chest. So, like, maybe the Needle Blights don't show off their ranged attack until later on or something yeah, like that. Yeah, you, like, start with just the Claws, you start with just the Constrict, 
and then there's like the big fight where suddenly entangling plants a bunch of needle blights start shooting needles at the people who are constrained yes and that is exactly leading into what i imagine the ideal blight encounter is the idea is what you want to do is the party stumbles into the vine blight ambush entangling plants goes off some get restrained some do not the ones that aren't restrained scatter and that's you know they start running into twig blights landmines for some extra damage and then at that point the needle blights step in and start peppering the party with needles and the goal of the encounter is we gotta rush the archers that are doing the most damage while dodging these little twig blight landmines and pushing past the difficult terrain and the restraining grapple stuff that the vine blights are throwing at us. I think you're right. I think that sounds like probably the ideal encounter. It yeah. sounds kind of cool and fun, like in that yeah. D&D party war game kind of way. <laughs> it does. Ki- These guys do definitely have a very war game feel about how I would want to use them. Absolutely. There's like a real militant tactic to blights. And like, I, I kind of think this might be one of those encounters where you just can't properly measure it with challenge ratings. I can see yeah. I can see an encounter set up like this just fucking trashing third level adventurers. Yeah, cuz like <laughs> if we're using the challenge rating, what? 8 twig blights is equal to one level of first party like first level adventurers, yeah. one party of first level yeah. adventurers. So, to my mind, you know, D&D starts at third level. That's where you want to get into the in- intricate tactical stuff. So, yeah. it would be 8 twig blights, 2 vine blights, and then 4 needle blights. Yeah, that sounds like it would fuck up a yeah, party. <laughs> yeah, I think so. So I think this is one of those instances where the stats that we get kind of fall flat, uh, and you may need to adjust it as necessary for your specific party, how good at D&D they are, and how much they're into combat. But I think yeah. if you go whole hog with a team that likes it, this would be a really kick-ass encounter. Oh, it's just yeah. like pure D&D combat yeah the the thing that makes the blights so cool to me is how unoffensive they are (laughs) yeah there's nothing inherent there's nothing wrong with any of them no other than like what we've discussed art wise how we feel about like the presentation of the monsters yeah it's they they these are very like effective at what they do smaller monsters and i I love that yeah yeah all combined this is a good encounter which is like weird because before this i never thought anything of blights I just thought, like... They were just there. Yeah, oh, it's (laughs) goblins. I don't... It's just, you know, minion enemies that Strahd throws at us when we run Curse of Strahd sometimes. Yeah. I never, like, considered a tactical angle to Blights, which is really kind of fun and, you know, one of the reasons why this show is worth doing. Yeah, it gives us a chance to second look at things that we never would have given a first look Absolutely, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I would like to make a case and stand up for a Blight encounter. I feel like nobody bothers to use blights. No. No. You definitely don't hear about it, at least. No. No, absolutely not. That's pretty much it about blights. There's not, like, a lot. But, no. like, But what's there is good. solid, yeah. False appearance, yeah. you know, whatever. The art, whatever. But all combined, I think that it yeah. makes a really nice D&D fight. And could also be a cool gateway into figuring out the story of Gothias and... Doing a big vampire villain. Lore-wise, I'm giving it a 10 out of 10, because it's the most <laughs> metal shit, and I fucking love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're good. They're good. They're good chaps. Also, uh, as a note to the thing that I said earlier about plants and their resistance to fire, there is, or not their, their lack of vulnerability to fire here, 
There's precedent for vine blights not being vulnerable to fire as shambling mounds and fungus-based creatures are not vulnerable to fire. Okay. Needle blights, no excuse. Every yeah. other plant and tree is vulnerable, so I don't know. That's strange. I don't know what the hell that is about. I don't know, man. I don't know. I I have literally no ideas. <laughs> they just... <laughs> the only thing I get... I was, I was about to say... They didn't want to give it vulnerability because it has such low HP. And then I looked again at the twig blades yeah, and I was right? like, no, nah, it's really not it. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I have no clue. So, yeah, <laughs> yes, I, I, I do wish the twig blights got a little extra, like a special fun time treat happens if you set them on fire beyond just yeah. vulnerability. They like they explode or something. Yeah, or something like that. But beyond that, it's a cool encounter. Lights are pretty good. Yeah. 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 The end. The end. Thank you so much for listening to our Blight Talk today. If you liked what you listened to, feel free to check out some more Tooth and Nail over at nerdsmith.com. If you're in the mood for some other stuff, Nerdsmith has a host of shows that you can peek and browse at your leisure. What uh, what show in particular should they turn to on this fine occasion, my friend Travis? Well, let's see. Uh, I'm thinking that you could go check out Discover RPG on Nerdsmith. Uh, it is a live stream talk show about running, playing, and celebrating role-playing games. They stream on Twitch, and they put the VODs up on uh, the Nerdsmith website for you to check out. They do, naturally, what we have a big old pretense for. Yeah. So if you want a purer version of Tooth and Nail... It's a little bit more. They don't talk about monsters as much, but they do talk about house rules, world building, homebrew, that kind of thing in all sorts of role-playing games. So it's a fun listen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Go and check those dudes out. I use the word dude neutrally. (laughs) You did. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Until next time, what's our creature comfort for this one? I'm thinking once you've cooked up your nice pot of cocoa, maybe uh, light some incense. Light some incense and snuggle up next to a burning fire. Yeah, because <laughs> wood burn smell is good. Yeah, yeah, I love the smell of burnt wood. Yeah, uh, ain't that right, fellow lumberjacks? <laughs> Have a good time. <laughs> Have a good Yeah, have one good. Have one single good. So fucking help me if you have two goods. (laughs) I will take these goods away from you. The end.